What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another exciting episode of Bitcoin and Markets. My name is Ansel Lindner. What I do here is a daily live stream, and I put it out in podcast form. If you want to take part in the live streams, you can follow me on Twitter at Ansel Lindner, or better yet, go to the telegram t.me forward slash Bitcoin and Markets. Also, check out the website bitcoinandmarkets.com. Sign up for the free tier, get notified of all my content, get a free weekly newsletter. And there you can also become a full member and support me for $5 a month and support this unique perspective in Bitcoin. So I want to thank everyone that supports over there on BitcoinAndMarkets.com. If you're new, I hope you enjoy the episode. Subscribe, like, share, check out BitcoinAndMarkets.com. Okay, let's get into today's show. I try to learn something new every day, take you guys along with what I'm learning and you know, have a good time, have a community and learning about Bitcoin and trying to understand where we're going in the future. Uh, One of the things that I really like about being able to devote so much time to this is that I'm able to put my family into good positions. You know, um, I'm not necessarily tied to any one country or any one state or any, even any one position. If I learn something new and i disprove myself, I'm willing to change that. And I've proven that over the last four or five years, uh, hardcore pivoting from being an inflationista to being a deflationist. I've also moved cross country and other things when I thought that would be best for my family. So uh, that's the type of stuff I hope to uh, impart to people at least and understanding of Bitcoin, you know, dropping a few insightful nuggets here and there. uh, And yeah, having a community. And that's that's what it's all about here. In today's world, I feel like so many people are just blown in the wind and they're unmoored from anything meaningful. And I really do appreciate you guys over there in the Telegram taking part with this. I appreciate all the people that listen to the podcast and everything. Um, so yeah, just big thanks to everybody out there. All right, today is Friday, January 20th, 2023. Today is Freeform Friday on the show. Haven't really done a Freeform show lately. I just have a few kind of links that I've shared in the Telegram we're going to go over and then open up the mic and see if you guys have any topics or comments on what I talk about. Or So let's go into, well, first let's start with the price because there, there's a little bit of action happening on the price. So I'm sharing this. I just posted it in Telegram. Uh, I'm sharing it now uh, on the stream. And right now, price is sitting at 21374 If it closes at this high, this will be a new high close since way before FTX. Uh, so when would that be? This would be back to September 12th. This would be a new high close. So that's pretty exciting. Um, and going to open, open eyes. Okay, the, the financial industry love them or hate them, whatever your thought is about the financial industry and how you know smart they are in spotting these things, they are going to notice that Bitcoin is closing at a new high even after FTX. Okay. And that could be very, very bullish for the price. And one thing that I am kind of concerned about is this RSI, the relative strength index, or is it index or indicator? I don't want to get this wrong. Uh, I don't, I don't know. 
I don't know if it's indicator or index, but I, I always thought it was uh, index, relative strength index. And we hit 89 on the daily. That is extremely high. I mean, 70 is overbought and we hit 89. The only other time we've hit 89 on a daily, if you go back in time, like going backwards, you'll hit, uh, I think it's, crap, what did I say? January of 2021 and then December in 2017. So it was at the first time we hit 40, 40,000, that was 89. Then in December 2017, at the very top, that was also 89. If you go back into the bull market in 15 and 16, we hit 89 a couple times during the bull market. So that's a good sign that, you know, this doesn't necessarily mean the end of a bull market. It can mean the beginning of a bull market, which is what I think it kind of symbolizes. But being up at 89, it's just so damn high, guys. And whatever you think about technical analysis, 89 on a daily RSI is not sustainable. It just isn't. I mean, it has reset. It did touch 80, but that's still 10 points above 70, which is oversold or sorry, overbought. So, I mean, I think it has to come down. I think it has the daily RSI has to hit 70, even though we're continuing to push up. Here we go right now, uh, 21,397. So we'll see. We'll see where this goes. Maybe we just make a marginally new intraday high and then it comes back down or something. Uh, let's take a look at the hourly how this is looking because we can kind of see the shape of the chart. Uh, get rid of these moving averages for this. And it is looking pretty nice. I mean, there's a nice curve to this. Uh, and those are usually a little bit more sustainable, obviously, than say something that just shoots from nothing to a thousand dollar candle. Those, those aren't going to be, those are Bart Simpson patterns, right? They're not going to be sustainable. So Anyway, I just shared that there with Telegram. All right, let's take a look at a couple more charts. We're going to go back to the daily, and we're going to take a look at the S&P 500. I'm going to put the moving averages back on. We're getting really close to this golden cross. What is going to happen? It could be very positive. The way it's setting up right now, we have a higher low. So we had the low set back on October 13th. I don't think that was Friday, Friday the 13th, but oh, it was Thursday. Sorry. Uh, Thursday, October 13th was the low. And we have kind of set a new swing low. Well, we have another low here, November 3rd. And then December 28th is a third, a second higher low. And now if this goes back up, that would be a third higher low moving into a golden cross, breaking the 200-day moving average, and breaking this trend line. I mean, a lot of these things are stacking up on each other that I I think, I mean, it could go either way, but I, I'm leaning 60% that we're going to break up, 40% that we're going to break down. But there is a move coming here. We're tightening into this zone, and there's going to be a move coming shortly. Uh, so we'll see. Let's see. How many days do we have? We have about 11, 12 days until the FOMC. So we could tighten all the way to the FOMC and then they come out with a zero. Imagine that. If they came out with a zero at the FOMC day on the 1st of February, the market would take off, guys. It would absolutely shoot up through the roof, uh, both Bitcoin and stocks. 
Um, let's take a look at bonds and see if that gives us any idea of what's going on. The 10-year action is pretty interesting. It bounced off the 200-day. It is red, or sorry, it is green on the day pretty nicely. So we'll see what happens. It, Like I said the other day, it really likes this level about 3.5%. The 10-year has been here for, let's see, back in December, it stayed a couple weeks at this level. And now it's been here for about a week again um, just now. So three out of the last five weeks, the 10-year has been about 3.5%. So it's really liking this level. And, and again, it does look like it's coming up towards some sort of decision zone, right? Perhaps in 12 days time, there's going to be a major event with this uh, FOMC meeting. And we're go everything's going to decide the direction. Everything is going to decide direction. And if I think the yields are going to decide to go fall lower. So let's take a look at some other yields. Let's take a look at the two-year. Two-year is below the Fed funds range. Just the this red box here is the Fed funds range. I still have these moving averages on here. Let's take the moving averages off. It is below the 50-day moving average, which is important. You can see this, this looks like a topping pattern. If we zoom out here, I mean, you could say this might be a little bit similar back here in this zone, um, but it is decidedly moving down the two-year, despite the Fed Federal Reserve saying they're going to raise rates, despite being below the Fed funds range currently. Okay, just think of this. Th this first, the two-year is the coupon is 4.18. Uh, the coupon is 4.18 on the two-year. But you can take that money and you can do a reverse repo overnight. This is pristine, pristine. This is the best possible risk-free thing you can do. You can give the money to the Fed overnight and you can get 4.3%. But for some reason, the two-year is below 4.2%. You're missing out on 12 basis points right there for some reason. I mean, just think, go back in time when everything was at zero. People would have died for 12 basis points. <laughs> you know, in Japan, they're still dying for 12 basis points. But they're missing, they're like totally not uh, taking advantage of that on the two-year. I understand maybe the 10-year, there's a little bit different market there, right? People are uh, saving for the long term or they're they're using it in some other capacity. So they're, you know, there's a, it's a little bit different buyer, but the two year versus the Fed funds is, should be relatively close. Let's look, take a look at the one month. This is interesting. So the four week is right now ticking above the Fed funds range. And this does make a little bit of sense because like I said, the reverse repo is 4.3% and the interest on excess reserves I think it's 10 above that, so 4.4%. And the four-week right now is sitting at 4.55%. So that's that's more logical. But again, you know, the shorter end of the curve is much more influenced by Fed expectations, okay, than long end. I think it's just amazing that even the two-year is below the Fed funds range. So anyway, that's interesting. Hey, what's up, guys? In the edit here, I just took out some of the fluff from the middle of the episode. 
We're going to continue now with talking a little bit about China and then getting into the Lael Brainerd article uh, talking about Fed monetary policy. All right, let's go. There is not a ton of recovery going on in China. I just posted a, a link this morning in Telegram, and it was from China Update on YouTube. It's a good channel if you guys want to subscribe to that. Uh, he was a New Zealander that was living in China for a long time. I asked him to be on FedWatch, and he said that he didn't want to do it when he was living in China, but he just moved back to New Zealand. So I'm going to reach back out to him. And finally, after three years, he'd been trying to leave with all this COVID stuff, but he couldn't get out some for some reason. But he just got out and went back to New Zealand. And so I'm going to reach out to him and try to interview him for, for FedWatch. But in this video, he has some interesting data points. One of them is that land sales in 2022 dropped 50% in value terms. 50%. Now, this isn't directly correlated with uh, real estate prices, but it means probably that real estate prices crashed a very significant amount, way over 10%, 20%. Now, if you have 70% of your household wealth is real estate and it drops by 20, 30%, you have just impoverished your people. Now, another point that he had in the same video, exports are expected to contract by less than 1%, but 0.3% in 2023. But they're supposed to grow by 5% uh, overall GDP. So that means there has to be like a bunch of domestic economy booming over there in China. And that's one of the problems with China is they're in a lower, they're a lower middle income country and they don't have domestic consumption. They have to export to consumers, right? They don't have domestic consumption that they could, I, I just listened to another video that I shared in Telegram where they're saying that uh, half the people in China live off of $150 or less a month. Half of the people in China. That's incredible. That's an incredible stat as well. How are they going to be, how are they going to make up for consu Western consumers, US consumers? They're not. Okay. Even a middle-income American can buy $150 worth of stuff from China in a single day. And these people are making this a whole month. There's, Anyways, um, plus, you know, you're dropping the wealth of your citizens by these real estate prices. How are they going to go out and consume? No, they're going to tighten their belt. So, man, I think 2023 is going to be worse for China than 2022 because all these things are going to come home to roost. So. We'll see. We'll see. I, I responded this morning to a, a girl on Twitter. Let's see if I can find that real quick. She had a funny, funny comment. It was, uh, she said, Peter Zion is the Paul Krugman of geopolitics. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. And she said, especially on China. China to collapse in 10 years? Yeah, no. Wishful thinking. <laughs> Of course, Melissa Chen is her name, so she's probably Chinese. Uh, I, I responded, I said, uh, this is a funny take. Peter is hyperbolic and linear, but the Chinese miracle is over. That's for sure. Okay, what else do we have here today? We talked about China a little bit. Let's talk about Lael Brainerd. 
So we did, I did a bring in the FOMC meeting. So we're going to uh, see what Lael is saying. Share this tab. And Yahoo Finance via Reuters. Feds Brainerd says data may be aligned for a soft landing scenario. Wow, she is, t she is sounding very dovish. Now, the background on her was she was nominated by Biden to replace Powell. All right. Lael is a little bit, she's a Democrat and she's a little bit more uh, liberal, a little bit more ready to work with Davos, work with the globalists, work with climate change, that type of thing. And Powell and Wall Street weren't having it, right? So Wall Street probably said, look, Biden, our guy Powell is going to be chairman. Just get on with it. Lael isn't gonna, doesn't have a chance. And so anyway, that her candidacy didn't last very long and uh, Powell became chairman. But she also, you know, with Raskin, who was the ultra, ultra progressive that they put up to be the vice chair or was it vice chair or head of coordination or something at the Fed where she would have direct control over where a lot of their monetary policy went to. So Powell would make the decisions on what the po policy was. And then other people out there say they work and they do the actual implementation of it, right? And she was going to be this ultra progressive that was implementing this stuff. And she was going to be cutting out oil companies, basically energy companies from getting bailouts and working with the Fed, um, hurting the American energy industry and stuff. So she, her candidacy, you know, quickly went away as well. But anyway, Lael is still there and, um, that's kind of her position, but she's much more moderate than Raskin, but she does definitely sit on lean on the liberal side. So a lot of build up there. Let's see what she has to say. Evidence in favor of a soft landing for the U S economy in which inflation declines without major job losses appears to be growing. Federal Reserve Vice Chair Lael Brainerd said on Thursday in remarks that excluded any explicit policy preference for the U.S. Central Bank's upcoming meeting, but noted signs of slowing growth. Quote, inflation has been declining over the past several months against the backdrop of moderate growth, Brainerd said in prepared remarks for a speech that noted a, quote, significant weakening in the manufacturing sector, end quote a moderation in consumer spending, and other data pointing to now subdued growth in 2023. Before I continue, yeah, I mean, this kind of fits in with what I'm seeing. You know, I'm seeing that uh, CPI inflation, quote-unquote inflation, prices are going to come down hardcore in 2023, and so is economic activity. So where does that leave real GDP? Well, it leaves it positive, I think. So that's why I'm saying there's not going to be actual recession. It's going to feel like a recession, but it's not going to be an, a textbook recession. Even to, even if you go back to the old way of defining a recession pre 2020, because you know, a lot of people think they changed it just in 2022 with that two consecutive quarters, uh, Q1 and Q2 in 2022, but no, they changed it back in 2020. Because I think they wanted to put a recession on Trump's record and they added it to be very subjective. So then when 2022 rolls around, they don't classify it as a recession with a big subjective window there. 
uh, as to not put a recession on Biden's record. So it's a very, it's a polit, this definitely is a political number. And a lot of people, you know, talk about CPI and jobs and all this other stuff as being political numbers. And I try to, I try to push back on that. I mean, I understand it and I'm not, I just can't, I can't confirm it. But on this, I can much more confirm that they definitely changed this to make this recession that Trump had in 2020 with COVID a very unique recession. Just go onto the the Fred website, you know, where they have those gray bars and you can see where all the recessions are. And then look at the recession in 2020. It was like two months. Normally a recession is six months, right? Because two consecutive quarters. So it's a very weird thing. And I know they changed that for Trump and they added, I know they added a subjective measure in there for, for themselves. And then they don't classify 2022. I mean, so I can confirm that a little bit more than I can confirm these other things being political. I mean, I'm sure they're not 100% apolitical, but I just can't go there saying that these are completely fake numbers. But anyway, let's, um, let's continue with this story here. In addition, she said the full impact of last year's aggressive Fed interest rate increases has yet to be felt. The U.S. Central Bank raised its benchmark overnight interest rate uh, by 4.25% in 2022 to the current 425 to 4.5% range to fight inflation that climbed to 40-year highs. Of course, they, they mean prices, not necessarily inflation, but anyways. It is likely, quote, it is likely that the full effect on demand, employment, and inflation of the cumulative tightening Cumulative, remember that word was added in November to the FOMC. Cumulative tightening that is in the pipeline still lay, lies ahead, Brainerd said in the remarks for a speech at the University of Chicago's Booth School of Business. At the same time, Brainerd pointed to trends in prices, wages, and margins that indicated inflation, which by the Fed's preferred measure is running at almost three times its 2% target was slowing and could well continue doing so. The U.S. employment rate, meanwhile, unem- Jesus, the U.S. unemployment rate, meanwhile, is at a low 3.5%. Quote, it remains possible that a continued moderation in aggregate demand could facilitate continued easing in the labor market and reduction in inflation without a significant loss of employment, Brainerd said. She was speaking just before the start on uh, the start on Saturday of an official blackout period that will restrict Fed policymakers from making further comments ahead of the January 30, Feb 1 meeting. At the final pre-meeting word of a senior Fed official, Brainerd gave little direct guidance about the outcome of that session, indicating the central bank would continue to move the policy rate closer to a sufficiently restrictive level with further rate increases but not saying if she favored moving by only a quarter of a percentage point at the upcoming meeting as investors currently expect. Even as the Fed parses the progress it has made on inflation, she said it would, quote, stay the course. Even with the recent moderation, inflation remains high, and policy will need to be sufficiently restrictive for some time to make sure inflation returns to 2% on a sustained basis, Brainerd said. All right, so my reaction to this is like, okay, inflation remains high. On what measure, Lael, 
what measure are you, are you using? Are you using month over month? Because no, it doesn't. You know, even go to a quarterly or a six month moving average. Only the yearly. Only the yearly remains high. That's it. Every other time period is low and it's getting lower and it's going negative. PPI came in at negative 0.5% in December. CPI came in at negative 0.1%. These things are going more negative, Leo. What, what time frame are you using here? So anyway, um, some other comments I wrote down here. Bullard, I don't know what Fed Central Bank he is president of. Is it? It's not Cleveland. Oh boy, what is he president? I can't remember. Kansas City maybe. Um, he says he he wants to get to five percent faster. He said we just need to get there. You know, if we know we're getting there, we just need to get there. So he's in favor probably of fifty or seventy five even basis point hike. Collins, another Fed president, said um, he thinks they're going to get to five percent this year. Mester said five percent. So a lot of these are going towards 5%. The market right now is pricing in 0.25%. Let me bring this up. All right. So we're 12 days away and 97% the market is saying 25 basis points. This is pretty significant. I don't think that they will go away from this. I mean, it's possible they do zero, but they did 50 last time. They do 25 this time and they do zero next time. So we'll see. We'll see how this works, but that is what they are pricing in right now. All right. What else do I have here? I should just open up the mic because I do have to get out of town. So let's do that. Let's go back to my website, share this screen. Guys, make sure that you're subscribed over at BitcoinandMarkets.com. If you're listening on the podcast or you're finding this on YouTube or whatever, uh, subscribe over at bitcoinandmarkets.com and you can get, you know, emails of all my content that comes out. Pretty much it's a, a daily email, you know, maybe five, five days a week that you get an email about this. And I have a free weekly newsletter that comes out there as well. That's a good uh, five, 10 minute read every Monday. You can read throughout the week or whatever. Uh, so check that out. Guys over on Telegram, what you got? Anybody have any anything they want to bring up and talk about for a few minutes here? Don't have any more admin notes to, to plug. Just check out bitcoinday.io, bitcoinday.io, and see if anything's coming up near you. I know that he was having some problems with uh, in the bear market. So I think now that we might be turning around to the bull market here again, uh, there might be more Bitcoin days coming out. And like I said, if, if you're in a meetup in a ma major metropolitan area um, and you have you know, 25, 50 people that you know you can get to come to this, reach out to Edward and I'm sure he can make something happen. I was thinking about uh, trying to reach out and do something in my local area as well. All right. Well, if there's no comments here, I'm going to end it there, guys. Thank you uh, for joining me this week. Hope you guys had a good week and hope you guys have a great weekend. Uh, get out there, spend time with loved ones, friends and family. Play some catch with the kids if you have kids, whatever, in the backyard. And uh, that's all I got. So have a good one. Bye.